Welcome to the Shale Solutions Podcast, where we explore different industries, career paths, and the many business solutions that they provide. Joining me today is Jared Green. He is a former Navy engineer who had the exciting opportunity to work on nuclear submarines and then went on to work in both chemical engineering and data centers. He is now on his own entrepreneurial path and is the owner of Concrete Craft Des Moines. They provide some very innovative solutions to repairing concrete and giving it a very aesthetically pleasing look, as well as uh, just a lot of different options for all sorts of aspects of your home that you might not imagine concrete could apply to. I think this was definitely a good conversation for anybody on the entrepreneur path, talking about our backgrounds and how it led both of us to go out on our own for business, and the general discomforts that you often may run into going out on your own after having a valuable but very different background. So with that little intro out of the way, we'll jump right into the conversation. All right, joining me today is Jared Green. He's the owner of Concrete Craft Des Moines. They specialize in resurfacing concrete into a work of art. Uh, Definitely, I recommend you guys check them out. How are you doing today, Jared? Hey, awesome. Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to bring you on and chat. I know you got a fairly diverse background and now you're a business owner yourself so that's exactly what what I'm looking to get the kind of person I'm looking to get on these podcasts um so I guess kind of yeah going back into history what what is your background it isn't initially concrete is it yeah thanks for asking so um definitely a lot of diversity there and um uh, right out of high school, 18 years old, joined the Navy, got into mm. nuclear power on submarines, uh, running the power plants. I was a mechanic operating the nuclear power plants for the submarine, um, both for power-wise, um, keep the lights on, mm-hmm. and then also for propulsion. Wow. Um, so you're actually in the submarines? Yeah, we. <sighs> I was operating a submarine for um, a little while there. I was in the Navy for eight years and uh, taught nuclear power for just a little bit. Mm. as a part of that tour as well okay gosh i i appreciate all the the tech and stuff with submarines but that for me that's one thing i don't think i could ever go down into one of those i'm not a i'm not a big deep water guy so i, I don't know if i could hold it together mentally but that'd yeah. be, i'm sure that was a really cool job you know it's funny people say that and think that but when you're on the submarine mm-hmm. whether you're underwater or above water you never know the difference so there's no there's yeah no, that's uh, true there's no windows, so um, I joke around sometimes that uh, we would just pretend like we were underwater and had uh, maybe a SEAL team kind of push the mm-hmm. boat back and forth and make it feel like it's rocking a little bit, and then two weeks later, they'd open the hatch, and you're at the exact same place you were two weeks ago, and you were like, wait, did we actually leave? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so is that kind of a typical span of time you'd be on there two weeks, or did it range quite a bit? Uh, there's There's definitely a lot of... Uh, range there so it kind of depends on what we're off doing um, what the mission is are we are we going out for training exercises or are we going to um, collect intelligence or you know what's what's the goal of the time mm-hmm. two weeks is usually kind of short that was that'd be like a a quick go out do some training with um, maybe some of the equipment and technology or seal team or something and then come back and drop people off and collect new people um, for an actual mission, it was usually about three months or so. Oh, okay. Wow. So is that something a lot of, a lot of training goes in before you get on the sub or do you get to hop into one of those fairly early on? Yeah, great question. So 
Um, there's a, a lot of different positions to go into the submarine force for the um, power plant operators. We get two years of training before we ever step foot, mm-hmm. which is, uh, as you can imagine, pretty important when you're dealing with nuclear power. There's there's no tolerance for mistakes. And so mm-hmm. um, everyone was had an extremely high level of training. It was um, basically like going to MIT and getting all the technical aspects down. Mm-hmm. But skipping all the English and history and language arts and, and the stuff, you know, us engineers usually don't enjoy that much anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you when you step on board uh, your very first day, and, and granted, you have to do a whole other set of qualifications when you do get to the submarine. But before you ever step foot on the, on the ship, um, you've gone through pretty extensive training. Yeah. And a, another thing I always want to do with this podcast is give people younger people ideas of what different paths they could go on and for me i'm thinking back to high school and the people that think they want to be an engineer but they really do like that kind of slightly more hands-on side or actually getting to interact and that i feel like that would be a really good path to consider for them because typically and i've got a video on my youtube channel about this the you know you get into that you think that's what you kind of think engineering is going to be and then you realize oh no it's you really kind of just crunch numbers for four years and then you go really just sit on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> and you... there's, there's some hands on, but it's, it's not really what you, what you think of as a kid. So that the, the military, I feel like has a, probably has a lot of good opportunities where you can get that education, but then also have a lot more chance to kind of get that field work, more hands on opportunities. Absolutely. And I was going to say, you, you pretty much stole that thought right out of my head. <laughs> Um, when I was in high school and looking at going to college, uh, I was, you know, sitting down thinking to myself, well, what, what kind of career path would be fun and exciting? And I'd always wanted to do something engineering. And then, you know, as you start maturing a little bit and realize engineering is nothing but sitting down and, and mm-hmm. doing numbers and staring at a computer, maybe, you know, going out to a, a site and looking at it and going back to your computer. Um, I realized, man, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is exactly what you described. You you get to work in a very high tech um, industrial setting where you're dealing with uh, a whole slew of different technologies and engineering challenges. And there's just there's you know so much f- fun stuff that you get to to learn and, and play around with. So th- mm-hmm. There's obviously a lot of downsides as well, but. Um, yeah, if you're if you're interested in engineering, and you don't want to sit at a desk, mm-hmm. then uh, you know military and, and nuclear power route is is definitely a, a good one to to consider. Yeah, and I would assume you can avoid paying copious amounts of tuition every semester. The, yeah, very good point. Very good point. Yeah, um, I, I always thought it, you know, right around when I was turning, I don't know, say twenty one, twenty two years old. Um, a lot of my friends were kind of finishing up college and you know, who, who knows how much debt, $20,000, $100,000 of debt. And I had two cars paid off, um, living in my own home, uh, no debt to speak of, uh, you know, it was just a, a matter of how much money I wanted to save and how much money I wanted to, to spend on toys. So mm-hmm. that, that was a you know, great advantage as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. I haven't, I haven't gotten to have a 
uh, military point of view yet on the podcast. I always, I always kind of forget. Sometimes I forget that's you know a big potential career path for people that can apply to so many different things. Um, so after that stage of your life, then what kind of work did you get into? Yeah. So uh, after the Navy, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to stay in nuclear power just because it's so political and it's um, mm. it, it's a it's it's a difficult career path in the fact that there is always someone standing over your shoulder criticizing every single thing you do, and um, these inspectors, um, you know, very intelligent, very good people. But one one of the things I learned was they're actually taught if they don't tell you you did it wrong, then they're doing it wrong. And so no matter how good you mm. ever get, you're still being told, no, you're not, you can do that better. You need to do that better. You, you're, you're failing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, wait, you know, yeah. we've been, been doing this every single day for We haven't years. sunk or blown up yet, so. <laughs> and, you know, doing it by the, by the book, by the procedure. Everything has to be done by the procedure. Mm-hmm. And you're still telling me I'm doing it wrong? It's like, well, you, you need to be doing it better. It's like, okay, um, yeah, this is, this is probably not a... A great field to be in long term. I mean, mm-hmm. um, great experience. If I could do it all over again, I absolutely would. But I just I knew I was getting out of nuclear power, and um, one thing that excited me was the data center industry. Data centers are blowing up. There is um, new data centers being built every single month. Uh, the yeah, definitely here in the Des Moines area. The Des Moines area Iowa. is very big in data centers. They're big on the East Coast. They're big on the West Coast. They're big in. They're big everywhere. Um, and so I, I thought I'd try my hand at that. Uh, did that for two years. Uh, got kind of kind of bored with that. I, I don't know that I, I really mastered it, um, but you know, definitely got good enough to where I, I certainly knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, then just started getting kind of bored with it. Thought uh, thought it's time to try something new. And I went into chemical engineering. Um, and then that was uh, another four year experience. Uh, kind of same thing. Got got pretty darn good at it. Um, once again, I don't know that I was ever really the best at it, but, uh, got to the point where I knew 99% of what was needed. And, uh, it was just kind of day in, day out, all the same stuff. And then, okay, mm-hmm. now it's, it's time for something new again. And the, the, um, the one thing is every time I've changed career fields, you know, from, um, nuclear power to data centers, data centers to chemical engineering, and then to concrete, people kind of give you that look, they turn their head sideways and they go, Wait, what do you know? What do you know about chemical engineering? What do you know about data centers? Mm-hmm. Wait, you've been doing? Have you been doing concrete in like your side time or something? Like, well, no, but uh, I mean, do you do you really need to? All it takes is some uh, some good books, some mentors, maybe some YouTube, mm-hmm. and anything out there, you'll end up learning. I mean, there's there's people that'll get in a career field and they'll be there for ten years and they still don't have any clue what they're doing because they don't apply themselves. They don't pick up a book and they don't they don't learn. And then I found that um, within probably about oh, six months of dedicated study and really applying yourself, you can learn any field. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of trying and caring. So, yeah, for um, sure. That's definitely why I always push younger people to go dig in or if they're not sure about where they want, which way they want to go in college, hey, maybe just take a take a gap year and just go dig into something like that. Try. Yeah, let's go try. I, Especially even I, in college, you can mm-hmm. you can say, okay, well, I'm going to college to be an engineer. Yeah, go do the engineering classes. But then, uh, you know, when they make you take one of those electives, go take an elective on um, 
I don't know, computer science or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and, I started just, going down the, the project management route, which, you know, so now I haven't really crunched numbers and that the way I did for four years. Now it's been three or four years and I haven't touched calculus since, but kind of like you, yeah, I still appreciate, I don't think I would have done it differently. It's the, the kind of mindset you get from engineering school definitely makes you a, really a problem solving, problem solving powerhouse and you can go and apply that to other stuff. Oh, but everything. Absolutely everything. <clears throat> but yeah, other than you business, know, especially being a doctor, these other, uh, short of like being a doctor or something like that, it's, amazing how yeah just a few books and some youtube channels you can really you can really get good at something fast right absolutely and that's um i I remember when i first engineered for this the data center role i had um, they asked me to draw out a schematic uh, two different things refrigeration cycle to show how um you know basically air conditioning works Mm-hmm. And then the other one was how um, the power supply to the data center works. And I've never been in the data center industry, but you know what? I just got online. I researched it a little bit. I, I found out how to do this stuff. And then I show up in the interview. Sure enough, he asked me to, to start drawing this stuff out. I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, really simple stuff. I mean, any, anyone can learn this stuff. Yeah. And, and it's you just, you that's, start... that's kind of the funny thing about engineering school. You start to realize like they make you hand crunch these numbers over and over. So we'd be sitting there and we'd have, you know, that cycle, but then you're like five layers deep with just some specific number. And then you look, you think about the future, you're like, okay, I get it. I get, I, we, we should do this a little bit, but ultimately it's just going to be, you need to understand why the cycle is that way. And then computers are going to do that really hard number crunching for you. Right. So it's, you gotta, you gotta understand those base concepts, but the thing that bugged me the most in engineering schools, we just spent so much time just on the nit and gritty, on the nit and gritty, like the numbers. I'm like, I feel like, cause it's just a fact computers are going to do most of it for you. So we could spend a little more time moving forward and, you know, tackling more concepts or spending more time, maybe applying it than just spending all this time on the numbers. So I don't know that that was one, one of the bigger things that bugged me about engineering school and I guess a, a good example of how, in a practical sense, you can you can learn those things without even going right. all the way yeah, through exactly. that. And you have me a little bit of a disadvantage here because I've actually never been to college. So um, <laughs> the only thing I know about college is what other people have told me. And uh, that's that's pretty much about it. I, everything mm-hmm. I've learned, I've either learned from a book, um, from research online, you know, stuff like YouTube or just Googling it and then talking to people and learning that way mm-hmm. so um it is always interesting to hear a little bit I, you know sometimes i i think to myself oh, I, maybe i missed out by not going to college but um then then i hear you know oh you're you're spending hours on these little nit and gritty things that don't have a whole lot of importance and mm-hmm. you know maybe i don't know if i would say they have no importance because I, I think they probably help shape your mindset for sure yeah but if, but like you're saying you're never gonna be crunching those numbers by hand mm-hmm. out, unless out you're field. like the way i put it unless you're like the next groundbreaking you know spacex person where you're you're really trying to redefine pl- redefining something to really changing up, an industry yeah. so i mean if if that's the case that's your goal then yeah maybe you will end up doing that or i i don't know aerospace people seem just really intense so maybe they use a bit more but from my experience, most engineering paths, you're not, yeah, you don't, 
quite go that deep anymore. I think I've done, I did a little trig one day and I don't even think I like necessarily had to. I just <laughs> think I almost more wanted to, to show off. And even that's just like high school level math, but yeah. So I, I don't know. I was, I've almost, I've had days where I'm like, I feel like my, my brain needs to be a little sharper and I've, I've been tempted to go find one of my old calculus books and just like do some practice equations. I almost, I almost kind of miss that little, little problem solving side of things. It, and you know what? So many people think that's strange, but I'm right there with you. That's, I mean, that's fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting into that stuff and, and being able to go through, you know, a complex situation and come to some kind of conclusion it was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very why satisfying. I like engineering and technical stuff because you come to a solution and like that. In the next, most cases, that is the solution. Whereas it's you no know, black like, and white. Yeah, or, or it is, black, is black, black no gray. White. Yeah, <laughs> so you weren't talking about those like all those English history classes that you know the the answers kind of up in the air. You know, it's just like oh, write an essay, and then you're just like, well, what does that to be about? Oh, you just write someone about this. I'm like, okay, I. Was, the engineers and us have to be like, all right, what are the constraints? And then we build down and they're like, this is the answer that that feels good to me. What was the character feeling in this book? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not that character. <laughs> um, I can guess, but at the same time, you're going to grade me on my guess. And yeah, it's like, why were the drapes blue? Guess. I don't know. The person just <laughs> wanted them to be blue. <laughs> it's the underlying meaning here. Well, uh, you know, I could probably read what the author says about it, but other than that, I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree there. So yeah, so so you got into those fields. You get you learned a lot. We're doing pretty good with it, but you're kind of looting. You always had that itch. You're like, oh, I need something more, something a little interesting. So then, is that when you got into the concrete business? Yeah, great question. So I got into concrete because I was in chemical engineering, and it was always just kind of considered a necessary evil. Um, all these big manufacturing plants needed what we had, but mm. they obviously didn't want to spend any money on it because they, um, you know, they were trying to trying to stretch the dollar and, and make their manufacturing processes as lean and as productive as possible. So you you know you come in and telling them, oh well, hey, if you don't do this, your equipment might break down in say five years instead of fifty years. Um, okay fine but we know we need you but we certainly don't want to need you and um yeah like i said i I got pretty good at it um certainly not a a, the best in the field or or a complete master but i you know would say that there, there wasn't a lot of problems that i wasn't able to fix and um it's just getting kind of the point where it's like i was doing the same thing every single day and there wasn't really any more challenge, so I'm, I'm asking myself, what's next? Uh, and by the way, whatever's next, I want it to be something that people are actually excited about. Mm-hmm. I want it to be something where people are going, man, I want that in my life. Uh, not, uh, well, I guess I have to spend money on this, um, but I'm not going to be happy about it. And so mm-hmm. I started looking into business opportunities that were going to be exciting both for me and for uh, the customer. And I came across Concrete Craft, which is a uh, international franchise. And you know, just saw some of the pictures. I'm like, holy cow, this is 
this is amazing. Like, yeah. I didn't even know this stuff was, you know, when I started looking at this, I didn't even know that was possible. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, encourage any of the listeners go check out Concrete Craft Des Moines on Facebook because it, it is wild what, what you guys can do in a concrete. And I'm sure we're about to dive into that, but yeah, that's it's the definitely go check out the visuals because I, I, I doubt words can quite oh, words, do it justice. Words are not what, not good enough. And in fact, pictures are are good, but uh, first time I saw it in real life too, I just thought this isn't concrete. Mm-hmm. It was a a showroom for another location, and uh, he had a existing concrete slab resurfaced into to make it look like old barnwood. Hmm. And I walked in to this um, location, and I'm, I'm like, I'm getting down on my hands and knees in front of this guy. Like he's standing there trying to talk to me, and here I am, like, get down on my hands and knees. I'm like rubbing on it. I'm like touching. I'm like, this is concrete. Mm-hmm. Goes, yeah, this is concrete. I said, well, that is just absolutely amazing. How do I, how do I do this? Like, let's get in. Let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> show me where to sign up because um, I not only want this in my home, but I want this on every home in in all of Des Moines because I just know everyone's gonna fall in love with it. So. Um, yeah, for, for lots of pictures, go check out Facebook, uh, Concrete Craft of Des Moines on Facebook. Uh, we got a website as well. And um, see some of the cool and interesting things. Uh, the, like I said, the only problem is, you know, pictures just, they don't they do not do it justice. So mm-hmm. it's, um, well, anyways, continue the story. I, you know, I, I saw this, this franchise opportunity, and, and I got so excited about myself. Um I kind of looked around a little bit to see, well, is anyone else doing this? And uh, it was it was kind of hard to find other companies that, that were capable of doing something similar. So I yeah, I I mean I haven't since I'm not a homeowner, I probably haven't dug into the residential side much, but uh, haven't been in uh, commercial construction for a little bit, and then always just interest in that stuff. Yeah, I'd never heard or seen anything quite like that. So there's a there's something called stamped concrete that a decent mm-hmm. number I would say a decent percentage of people are, are familiar with. Um, stamped concrete is basically where you just you, you pour concrete just like you you would normally, mm-hmm. and then you take these molds, these rubber stamps, and then you put them on top of the concrete and press it down, and it gives it a texture or shape design. You make it look like brick or, or wood or all kinds of other stuff. And and stamped concrete has been around for quite a while and there are a decent number of people that can do it and do it really well what i found interesting though was uh, when you start asking people about resurfacing existing concrete to make it look um, really amazing is everyone said well uh, you can't really do that Uh, it doesn't last very long or um, Mm -hmm. it's really hard um well, maybe they can do it down the south. They can't really do it up in, in Iowa or colder climates. And so, you know, I, I heard heard this feedback, I would say, three or four different times. I got a little discouraged. I thought, well, um, if this many people are saying it can't be done. There must be something to it. But uh, um, mm-hmm. continued on and started talking to people out of state. And um, the feedback was pretty well unanimous among the people that are doing it. It's well, if you say it can't be done, that's probably because you tried it, didn't know what you were doing, it mm-hmm. failed on you, and then you gave up. And he said, well, okay, um, this this can't be done here. But the reality is it can be done. You just maybe 
you can't do it the way you were doing it or the way you had done it in the past. You just need to figure out how it can be done successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, it makes sense because concrete, I mean, that's why there's just always cracks everywhere. And especially here in Iowa with the temperature fluctuations. And yeah, so hearing more about the specific product you guys use. So I guess maybe that, that could be the next subject and just how it how it differs from your standard concrete preparing, patching, resurfacing, those things that notoriously don't last long as you would expect. Right, yeah, concrete, um, you know, it's interesting. There is concrete structures that are 100 years old and they're still in great condition. Mm-hmm. And there are concrete structures that are three months old and they're just absolutely falling apart. And I suspect that, you know, in any industry, you can say, well, there's people doing it better than others. Uh, In concrete, um, we all just kind of take it for granted. We just assume that everyone's doing it the same, that all concrete's the same. Um, Hey, if you call someone to have a concrete driveway put in, you just assume that it's going to last you forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's a pretty common mindset. And unfortunately, it's just not the case. There are concrete driveways out there that are only three months old. They're cracking. There's got pits all over it. The sides are sinking. Uh, it's just just a mess, you know. And after you spend twenty thousand dollars on a on an item, you you kind of mm-hmm. you know, expect that to last a long time. And then after three months, when it starts falling apart, you know, it's, it's a pretty frustrating thing. But that's uh, I think the case with any industry is selecting a vendor, contractor, or supplier. This is going to give you something of high quality or low cost mm-hmm. or you know speed, whatever it is you're looking for, uh, and not just assuming that they're all the same. You know, kind of hard to do when when you're not educated on that subject. But um, it is definitely the case with concrete as well. And so, one of the interesting things about um, what we do is we'll, we'll come into that place where you know, okay, we we got this this area that's just not in good condition and we are able to resurface it and uh, transform it, you know, not only fix the structural issues in some cases, um, but also make it look really amazing. So for instance, there is a, um, there's a lot of concrete out there that's just, it's it's pitting real bad. It's real bumpy. And we can, Mm -hmm. we can take that and we can, you know, turn it into wood or tile or stone or all kinds of stuff and, you know, fix some of these issues in the process but the coolest thing is um, it, it's, it's usually about half the cost, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you were to take a piece of concrete and uh, say, yeah, I just want this ripped out and re-poured, and then we can do some cool stuff when we report, or just report plain, either way, um, you're, you're looking at you know, quite, a, quite a bit of an expense. Mm-hmm. And then if you take your existing concrete and resurface it, uh, it's usually... Um, probably about 50% less expensive. And then you can know that you're getting a better product too, mm-hmm. just because you're, you're getting, a you know, something that's designed to withstand the elements. Yeah. So that's kind of where concrete craft sets themselves apart. Right. So, um, could you dig into the, the material you use and why it is, uh, potentially better than just fully replacing that concrete or why it lasts longer than those typical repair methods everybody's already you know probably heard about right great point so if you're if you're just looking to repair concrete um, 
there's there's really a couple of things you can do. Uh, you know, if there's a crack, you can put some caulk in it. Mm-hmm. You can go to you know one of the big box stores and, and buy some kind of concrete repair thing and and, and maybe uh, smear it down or squirt it or whatever the application method is. But the funny thing is, a lot of these big box stores are using their own products to repair their own issues. And uh, you walk in, mm-hmm. you start looking down, and you're like, "Hey, your uh, your own stuff isn't working that well." You know, oh well, we redo it every year. Okay, you redo you redo this every year. Yeah, we redo this every year. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather just redo it once and be done with it? Mm-hmm. Oh no, the stuff doesn't last that long. We'll, we'll use use some good stuff, right? I mean, it, it's a matter of um, get what you pay for. Really, if you, if you put a uh, a cheap five dollar product down, you're probably gonna get a cheap five dollar repair. Mm-hmm. If you put down a really high durability, uh, high wear product, then you're you know it's obviously gonna cost more, but then maybe you don't get to do it every single year. So uh, there's there's a whole slew of different things out there. There's a there's a different product for every application. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to generalize about all of them, but uh, you know I think it really comes down to, um, like I said, you, you get what you pay for. So um, mm-hmm. some people are a little little surprised sometimes when things don't last, but it's also like, well, you you didn't really put anything into that, and then, and then sometimes people are um, shocked at how expensive some solutions. Yeah. Are, so you guys are kind of kind of almost somewhere in the middle. You've got your really your cheap fixes that probably aren't going to last, and they're just going to be a, a pain in the butt for years to come. And then there's the full on tear everything out, put it back in. Yeah. And hey, if you get a really quality contractor, then great. Maybe it will last a while. Or maybe but it won't. Yeah. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg or that full twenty thousand dollar driveway. But then. So this the the awesome thing about concrete craft. You're somewhat in the middle there because you can produce those durable results, but you don't have to fully tear out everything. And it's gonna so it's it's a sort of a repair, but you know it's not that just cheap quick thing. So um, yeah, I mean you're so you're investing in your your property, right? So. Uh, everyone likes to talk about curb appeal. When you walk mm-hmm. up to a house or a business, you know, you come into a restaurant, the first thing you see, you see the structure itself. You see the house, you see the building, and you see a massive amount of concrete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sidewalks, driveway, parking lot, whatever. You see a lot of concrete everywhere you go. And a lot of it's uh, not great condition. Um, so if curb appeal really is important, well, let's let's invest in that. Let's Let's put our money into a place that is going to raise the value and not just um, kind of the this, this sinking pit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you put money into a kitchen and you expect to get a return on that. You put your money into your you know, a new bathroom, you get a return on that. Well, uh, you put some money into a sidewalk, a porch, a patio, something like that. Um, you know, Not only are you going to absolutely love it, but the whole neighborhood's going to be talking about it when you go to sell it. You know, mm-hmm. if, if uh, buyers come by and they're looking at five different houses, they're gonna they're gonna remember that one. Yeah, you know, it got me thinking. It's gonna stand out, especially like a apartment complexes. You know, I'm then touring people every through the complex every day. That could be a pretty big, you know, just walking up to a building. Any any little thing to make it look more appealing that'd be, I'm sure, a big advantage. Right. Exactly, and and you know, people ignore concrete. Um, Sometimes when you walk into a space, you don't even necessarily know why you feel good. You just know, like, oh man, 
you know, mm. this, this is, I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm happy. Um, you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes into like retor- retail stores where you, you walk in, they got, you know, perfumes oh, in the air and true. smells. They the have music, the lighting, the, muti- the music, uh, the color schemes. It's all engineered from a psychology standpoint. And, uh, you know, the flooring is absolutely that way too. So you got two retail stores uh, right beside each other, and you know they sell the exact same things, but one makes um, twice as much revenue as the other, and it, it all kind of comes down to the experience that you give that person. Um, and of mm-hmm. course, you know homes are the, the exact same way. You can go into a five hundred thousand dollar home and uh, you know you know um, feel just just really good about yourself, uh, not even know why you're just you're home and it's it's comfortable and you're loving it. And then you go next door to another home, and uh, you don't even know why, but you just, you know, you're kind of just just not as comfortable. Um, you're just kind of aggravated all the time, and mm-hmm. you don't even think it's the home. But you know what? All this, this your surroundings are constantly impacting uh, your psychology. So uh, this, this stuff uh, really makes a big difference on your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinking in-home stuff, uh, you know, and it, at first when started to get to know your business okay made sense you know that those all those exterior concrete options mostly you see concrete outside but then you start bringing up all these really cool examples of interior concrete like just having concrete as the the floor of the kitchen or basement and so i guess if you maybe talk about some of the examples you've done with that and that's something i definitely recommend people go look up because it it is wild. You look at a picture of a kitchen, you're like, oh, that's a cool wood floor. And then you're like, yeah, oh, exactly. that's concrete. So is that, um, yeah, I just, so, uh, it, it's something I never would have imagined, like, oh, concrete as the floor in a house. Is that, well, for me, I guess I've always said the question, is that, is that like install? Is that, does it differ much from just even putting a, a regular floor in? I was, I've always wondered, because, you know, concrete, you think oh, super heavy, but I know your stuff's you know, you can keep it pretty low profile and maintain the strength. Right. So, um, you wouldn't necessarily want to pour concrete over an existing wood floor. So if you got a basement, sure. the basement's already concrete. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have unfinished basements and they like it that way. And then some people are putting, you know, carpet down there, which I, I don't recommend personally. It, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to get wet eventually. It's not a matter of, it is, um, yeah. if it's a matter of when. In the Midwest here, my, sad story along those lines my parents had finished out the basement in the last house they lived in they put in all new wood flooring not even two or three months later the whole basement flooded mm-hmm. so now it's just clicking into my head hey you could have this thing that looks and feels like wood floor but would i'm assuming not get destroyed by it, it a very would, common occurrence in iowa which right. is a flooded basement right it would be just fine that'd be the last thing you'd have to worry about um you know, you, there's there's so many different things you can do with it. You can make it look like wood. Or my personal favorite is marble, because mm. uh, marble is a symbol of luxury, True. and um, expensive one. It is something you don't see very often. But when you do, when you walk into a place that has marble flooring, you know, it's just oh man, this is this is a nice place, right? This is mm-hmm. this is really this is really awesome. These people care about this place. They they obviously. Um, really want to um, when they have their guest over you know they, they really want them to to feel like they're somewhere special mm-hmm. and so um, you know wood wood's a great option tile is a great option marble's a great option but 
you can do all these things with concrete and uh, sometimes maybe it's a little more expensive sometimes maybe it's less expensive marbles is definitely um, mm-hmm. w- way less expensive when you when you resurface concrete to look like marble as opposed to bringing in a, you know something from Italy but uh, the, the advantage is just the fact that a like you said if it gets wet you don't have to worry about it mm-hmm um, B, you can customize it quite a bit. Uh, when you go to your flooring store, right, granted there's you know a thousand different options, so there's there's still plenty of customizations there. But you know with uh, with concrete art, I mean you're you're talking about art. You know the sky's the limit. It's uh, it's a matter of um, what are you interested in doing. You know do you just want like a, something that's that's gonna um, be run of the mill, mill, and that's that's perfectly fine. Or do you just want something completely crazy, and that's great too. You know, either mm-hmm. way, there's there's so much stuff you can do with it when you're when you're using a material that can be hand crafted. You know, it's it's just a matter of um, what do you what are you looking to have done? And then of course the the other thing um, that's really important for um, my wife especially, and uh, it's it's how easy it is to clean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, granted, I, I um, care very much about this too, but uh, my wife's a stay-at-home homeschool mom. It's homeschooling our kids during the day. Uh, definitely a, a more difficult job than, than what I'm doing, you know, playing with artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's there all day with the kids running around. And, um, and we got a couple of pets scratching, scratching the floor too. We got the dog and we got the cat. And yeah, there's, there's dog hair everywhere. And, um, you know, we... We have all hard surfaces everywhere throughout my house, and when it's time to clean up, it's just a matter of, um, you know, sucking up the dog hair and mm-hmm. mopping, and uh, it's, just, it's just so easy. You know, even if you have, say, like tile, um, the tile can be really nice. There's, there's a lot of places that love tile for its ease of clean, cleanliness, and its appearance, but you got to worry about those darn grout lines. Mm-hmm. You know, those grout lines... Uh, you know, hopefully you didn't get a white grout, but even if it's a gray or something kind of darker, it, it tends to get real dirty, and uh, cleaning it's, it can be quite challenging. Uh, so when you do it with concrete, you can make it look like it has grout lines, but there's no actual grout, so there's nothing to get dirty. Oh, sure. So once you run that mop over it, it's just as clean in the, the grout line as it is everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, what are what are some of your favorite examples that you've done uh, in around homes? Things that maybe would surprise people, or just yeah, uh, great question. So, probably my favorite one that I got I got two favorites. So, my we've done a lot awful lot of patios, and uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorites was. Um, there was a lady and a wonderful, wonderful lady. She was putting up a fence and then she was going to take a torch to her fence, which uh, usually kind of surprises people when I tell them that. But uh, no, she was going to take a torch to her fence and mm-hmm. she was going to burn it just a little bit. So they had this cool wood burned, um, burn, sorry, burnt wood look. And uh, she said, well, can you make the patio, you know, kind of resemble that too? Like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And so we... Um, we poured the concrete. This this was this is a pad that didn't already exist. It was just a grass backyard. So okay. we, we, we poured the pad. <clears throat> we stamped it to make it look like old barn wood. Uh, it made it look it was it was brown and then um, 
you know, we thought, okay, well, how are we going to make this look burnt now? And, and we took a um, we took a water-based uh, pigment and we sprayed it down. And, and the cool thing about that is the the water evaporates and leaves all the pigment behind, but oh, it leaves okay. it in all the the low-lying areas. So everywhere there was texture, you had a different color. So it, it was a it was a black pigment. It, uh, it didn't turn the whole thing black. It just, uh, you know, the pigment flowed with the water into all the texture areas. Hmm. So the high spots were brown and the low spots were um, were a lot darker. Yeah. Kind of, um, blackened almost. And then it gave it this, you know, really cool burnt wood look. And I, I would say that's probably favorite one that I've... Um, yeah, I was, I was wondering what your kind of methods of doing that coloration was. So that, that makes sense. So you have that... When you initially pour it, it has a, a specific base color. You can kind of control that color. Right, it exactly. pours with that color. And then you can, okay, that whole pigment process. Yeah, that's interesting how it apply it. And then it, yeah, it just evaporates away. I never would have right. thought of that. Right, there's so many people so much smarter than me that have come <laughs> up with um, amazing ways of doing things. And with concrete, it's no different. So mm-hmm. Those are the people uh, really crunching the numbers. Yeah. We can, those, we can all those, thank them. <laughs> Those are the people doing all the uh, the tedious items, and, and frankly, they probably have computers helping them too. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, there, there's just so many different things that you can do. It's not a matter of if you can do it; it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. I think that applies to everything in life. You know, mm-hmm. with concrete, you know, if, if you say, how, "How do I make this um, absolutely amazing for half the cost of replacement?" Okay, well, if there's 15 ways of doing that, you know, what was the end goal, right? And let's work mm-hmm. going back from there. Um, okay, well, how about like literally anything in life? I mean, pick a subject. There's there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of going out there and figuring out how to do it. And so, um, you know, I think that's where a lot of people, um, they, they get kind of these self-limiting um, beliefs with, you know, within business, um, their personal lives, everything else is they just... They say, well, I've never done that before. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. how to do that. Uh, yeah, I that's, always... that's, I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. I'm not a. I'm not a marketing guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can be. It's just a matter of. Yeah, that's, going out there and doing it, figuring it out. That's been probably similar boat to you this last year for me. You know, we've got that engineering technical background. We we really understand the, the product or whatever we're offering, but going in like, okay, now we got to be marketing and sales geniuses to get get the name out there and whatnot and i'm sure at least for me that's been one of the biggest just hurdles is uh, taking a a very introverted engineer that's spent years keeping their head down just learning now it's like all right i gotta throw myself out there and it's yeah it's right it's intimidating but it's totally possible or i like to uh compare that you know just find a way with with fitness you know, I, I went from a, a chubby golfer to an Ironman in four years. Wow. Couldn't even couldn't even put my head underwater without my nose plugged until I was 21. And then three years later, I swam about two and a half miles in jellyfish-infested waters for Ooh. fun. For fun? <laughs> for fun. Oh, I mean, okay. Anyway, I certainly wasn't being paid to a complete Ironman. Oh, man. But, yeah, so it's just, yeah, if you just figure out a way... It might take some time, but that, it's that's probably a more process. Hmm? That's probably more mental toughness than physical toughness. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you'd agree. That's that's also what this just kind of comes down to is 
mental toughness. I mean, like, I'm sure you're a good example of, hey, you didn't have to go to engineering school, but you could go solve any, just about any problem in a nuclear chemical processing plant. So if you can just, you know, believe in yourself and have that mentality, you can, you can really accomplish anything you want. Right. Absolutely. And there's so many examples of people doing this, you know, that are figuring out a way and just going out in there and get it done. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many other people, you know, that, that they, they don't think they can, you know, it's like, oh, well, I mean, look around you. There's millions of people that are doing it and they're no better mm-hmm. than you. They're no different than you. Yeah. They're not smarter. In fact, you know, often some of the most successful people are, are not necessarily intelligent people. That's- that's what just, I, uh, they just keep going. I've been telling myself for, for years, I'm like, all right, you go on YouTube, you see, you see this person that's made it big. And I'm like, I know as a fact, objectively, I am smarter than them. So that therefore there's no reason I couldn't, you know, achieve that oh, yes. level I, of success. And I say that all the time. I, I think to myself, well, if, if this guy can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. You know, I, I say that so many times and and I was pretty scared about getting into business for myself. You know, there's, there's a lot of risk and, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've been doing this for one year now, so we're certainly not, um, kind of in the clear. If, if you ever are, I would, I would say you probably never are, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear and, and risk and starting something new, but, um, you know, the worst case scenario, I think, and I think this is where a lot of people could benefit from is they just ask themselves, what is the worst possible thing that can realistically happen, right? Not, mm-hmm. not, not the worst thing it can, the worst thing that can realistically happen. Um, you know, if the worst thing that can possibly happen is, you you know, well, maybe aliens abduct you or something. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy things you could say to that. But what's the worst thing that can realistically happen? It's like, okay, well, if you try something and you fail at it, Okay, well, now you're you're a better person because of it. Mm-hmm. You now know, you now know a heck of a lot more than you you did before. You now know a way that things maybe don't work, maybe never figure out the way it does work. But you know mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of ways that maybe it doesn't work. Um, you know, so like uh, let's say if you wanted to get in shape, and you wanted to do an Ironman, right? And maybe you've never done that before. Um, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? by just getting in there and trying it, right? Uh, okay, well, may- maybe you don't complete it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't go back and do it again next year. That doesn't mean you can't go back to the gym, and that doesn't mean you can't hook up with someone like yourself and, and go, hey, how did you do this? And, you know, Teach mm-hmm. me, coach me, um, give me some advice. doesn't mean you can't go to the library and start learning some more and, and just keep going. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people stop is if they, they don't, um, they, they say, I can't do this, but, they, you know, if I or if I do this, it's going to be a disaster. That's what they think, right? Mm-hmm. If I try X, Y, and Z, it's, it's just not going to work. Well, okay, but do it anyways. Even if you know it's not going to work, do it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, hey, you've, uh, you you want to build a shed back in your, your backyard or something, right? You don't know how to, you've never been a carpenter. Well, go buy some two-by-fours, go buy a saw, start mm-hmm. cutting them, start putting them together, and see what happens, you know? And then when it when it turns out terrible like you thought it would... Okay, but now when you go into the library and you grab that book, now when you go talk to your buddy who is a carpenter, they can start guiding you through how to do it better, and then you can go rip it down and redo it right. And mm-hmm. then 
you'll be able to tell everyone, hey, look at this awesome shit I built, look, or look at this this Iron Man that I did, or you know, you know whatever. You know, I, I lost twenty pounds because even though I thought I couldn't, I did it anyways and mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah, there's a really good book that came out this year that I liked it's called the The Power of One More by Ed Milet, and kind of the the basis of that one more thing is you know you're you go and you're trying something new, you keep failing, but you're you're always just you could just be one more attempt from that breakthrough, you know, figuring out, oh, okay, that's why my, my shed fell over when I put it together. Or, oh, this is that thing that's held me back from losing weight. Um, if you're like me, you got to sit back and realize, oh, I've been eating a thousand calories of peanut butter every day because <laughs> it only takes a couple spoonfuls for that. But yeah, it's just a matter of the, the best probably example that most people would maybe have a memory of is riding a bike. You know, you get on, you just go, you flop over, over and over, over. And then there's that one time it just clicks and hey, right, then exactly. you're off rolling. And as a father, you know, it's really interesting watching my kids when they were learning to ride a bike because uh, they both, you know, I got two kids and, and both of them before they could ride the bike, mm-hmm. you know, they had this mentality, well, I can't ride the bike. I don't know how. And so it was... You know, obviously, mm-hmm. a, a lot of anxiety around that um, getting on and worrying about falling off. You know, so obviously, you know, we got knee pads and the helmet and, and all the stuff. Um, but still, you know, there's. It's interesting when you're, when you're standing over a child learning to ride a bike, and you're like, "Well, I know you can do it," mm-hmm. because everyone learns to ride a bike at some point, and you know, you're, you're no different. You're going to learn. And so mm-hmm. as, as the parent, you're, it's like obvious. It's not even a big deal. It's like, yeah, of course it's tough. But just keep doing it. You'll learn it. Um, but to see that from their eyes and their perspective and like, man, this is uh, a lot of work. Like I, I got to do my, my feet in the right way. I got to do my hands in the right way. And I, I got to be brave enough to not go slow because when I go slow, I fall off. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, so much to have to figure out. And it's all muscle memory, which I don't have. And, um, eventually they do get it and they're like, oh, oh, I can, oh, I can ride a bike. I just, I just got to keep trying, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing when you see that light switch. That, yeah. Uh, Focus on those little, little sprints, one, one step at a time, get this thing right, then that. And next thing you know, you'll be yeah, cruising down the street. Right. When you, when you, uh, start getting those small victories and then you start realizing, mm-hmm how possible it really is. But until you get your first small victory, you know, you're, you're thinking there's nothing I've ever done before. And, and yeah. mm-hmm. but, um, you know, of course, like I was saying, the out, there's the outsiders, the, the father looking down, I'm like, well, you know, it's, uh, of course you're gonna be able to do this. But, and, and that's, I think in a lot of other ways, um, as, as well in, in business, you know, someone that's done it a lot, maybe looking down at everyone else and going, I don't know why you guys aren't doing this yet. Just go do it. You know, mm-hmm. And yeah, the guy that's trying it for the first time is going to... Uh, that could be a, a potential like kind of mindset you could try to trick yourself in as somebody going into something new. Just pretend you're that parent looking at you and uh, just think, okay, yeah, everybody's been in this spot and it's, you know, they were no different than me. That might be a, a good, right. a kind of good exactly. way to frame it because that's all those little mental tricks. It's like they, they kind of all lead to the same thing. It's just whatever way to think about it clicks for right, you. Right. And then getting with those other people too, that just accomplished it. Like you were saying, you know, you see some other guy and you're like, well, he can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so can I. You know? Yeah. One of my, uh, favorite examples kind of a, along those lines, uh, Alex Hormozzi's a big 
starting to become a more of an influencer in the business world. He's the type that really kept his head down, made a bunch of money, got really good at what he did. But then he, his goal is to be uh, a billionaire. And he saw on, on like a magazine that what was it like Kylie Jenner was officially a billionaire. And he just sat there like, all right, okay. How, how did she become one? And I'm not at this moment. And that was for him, what clicked why uh, like having a personal brand was such a impactful thing. Cause that's really, hmm. that is how she got to, to where she is. So then he totally flipped the script on himself and he's like, all right, well, I got to start making tons and tons of content. And that's, he found that thing to get him to the next level. Hmm. But I do, I just, I just thought that was funny. This, this guy is a business genius and he's just getting all triggered and insecure because, you know, I don't want uh, Kylie Jenner, you know, somehow worth a, a billion dollars. And I mean, I'm sure she's, you know, got some got have some business savvy to get there, but yeah. Right. See, yeah. You don't think you get there by accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people that win the lottery um, tend to not keep it unless yeah. they have uh, strategies and processes in place, you know, mm-hmm. good habits, financial yeah. habits. For sure. So so what have been kind of the, you, you understand the concrete and whatnot, but in terms of getting the business up and running, so Concrete Craft was, you know, it's, it's already a product, a service, but uh, you're leading the charge in at least the Des Moines area. So what, what have been your kind of biggest, biggest hurdles um, yeah, taking question. on this challenge? Um, you know, interesting, the things I thought were going to be hard ended up being pretty easy. Hmm. The things that I thought were going to be easy have been um, quite a bit more difficult. And, um, you know, I, I highly recommend anyone starting a business do a lot of uh, consumer research before they start the business, uh, mm-hmm. trying to figure out that, that uh, customer avatar, if you will, who, yep. who's the person that's going to buy from me. Um, but not just who's going to buy from me, but what is their way of thinking that's going to affect this uh, this sell? And I wish I'd done significantly more of that before I started because uh, there's some things that, you know, I just thought were a no-brainer and it would just, you know, we're going to sell a million dollars of this every year, maybe $10 million. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of because I really liked it and I thought it was amazing. But then when you start trying to spread the word and, and get other people interested, you're like, well, okay, maybe other people's interests aren't the exact same as mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is, um, you know, obviously why you want to do that consumer research and that figure that customer avatar because uh, you, I, I, there, I've definitely had a lot of blind spots, a lot of things that I thought, you know, there's it's just so amazing. How could people not want this? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's not possible. Everyone's going to want this. And then, you know, you get out there and you start talking to people and uh, you find out that your perception is just wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say that was easily my, my biggest piece. I'd wish I'd um, done a lot more. You know, just getting out and talking to people, hey, hey, would you, would you ever buy this? Would, is this interesting to you? Um, t- tell me how much you would, you would spend on something like this if you would buy it. You know, just, okay, mm-hmm. what about this one? You know, hey, between these three different products, what would you be interested in spending money on if if you were if you're going to do this you know s- stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that would have um, certainly helped me ramp up a lot quicker uh, the stuff that I thought was going to be really hard I you know I, I, being in business for myself for the first time 
you always hear about uh, you know how difficult the government is to work with and whatnot, but it, at least here in Iowa, um, that aspect has been mm. very simple, very quick, and very simple. Uh, filing for registrations, filing for permits, um, getting all of the the business government stuff in line. It was just um, mm-hmm. it just really wasn't much to it, you know. Um, even starting an LLC. There's an awful lot of people out there that'll collect thousands of dollars to help you start your business, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't have that much money, so I got onto Secretary of State's website and just started looking at it. And um, mm-hmm. yep, same here. You know, you you find all the little wickets, and you're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, it's pretty much just okay. paperwork. I can do that. Yeah. Oh, you can you can make this paper yourself, like literally, mm-hmm. print it out, take a picture of it with your phone. And then submit it like okay, boom, you got an LLC, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. so you don't you don't necessarily need. Yeah, um, I'd I'd like to stress that point to anybody, even if you're pretty comfortable with your like job job. If you've always been thinking about doing something on the side, oh, it is the, the barrier of entry is so low. It's bas- it literally is just like paperwork, and then maybe depending what you're doing, you need some sort of business insurance, which depending on what you're doing, probably doesn't cost as quite as much as you'd think. And then, uh, yeah, you can, it's, you can start slow. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, You can start slow and then one piece at a time do, do things that probably even bring you joy. But if they're somewhat in a business banner, you can get some tax write off, save yourself some money in a sense. And I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's not untapped tool that a lot of people could be, it's really yeah. It's really not that hard. I um, it, even in my previous roles, I I recall thinking to myself like, oh man, if I uh, did X, Y, and Z, I think it would it would it would save me quite a bit. And you know, in, in tax um, mm-hmm. right offs right, and of course not talking about anything illegal, um, keeping it all above board because mm-hmm. that is extremely important. Um, but I I just remember thinking to myself, well, I I don't I don't know anything about this stuff. Once again, I, didn't, I don't know anything about this, right? So I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. And uh, when it finally came time to me getting around to it and doing it, it's like, oh, that was that was so easy. Why didn't I do this five years ago? Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is not a difficult thing to do. It's just a matter of uh, a little bit of time and not yeah. even that much. And anything, fitness, business, whatever, that's often it's just that first step that's the hardest one. And then you realize, oh, that first one wasn't that bad. Right, and so I gotta do is just so, jump in the pool. <laughs> so willing to help—that's that's the other thing that I think mm, um, true surprised me a lot because um, I guess coming out of the military mindset, coming to a civilian, um, there's just people all around you that want to help you. You know, I came from nuclear power where everything's criticized and mm-hmm. um, everything's um, constantly being reviewed, and you're told how to do it better and how you should have done it better. And then um, that's not the way most people are. Um, If you walk down to the city hall and tell them, hey, I'm trying to work on something, could you direct me to the person that might be able to help me? They're going to tell you. They're going to be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, go this way, go down the hall, whatever. You got to make an appointment. But, uh, you know, this this guy's going to help you out. And then sure enough, uh, you'll get, you know, maybe a phone number or an appointment and Mm -hmm. they'll show you how to do it. Yeah. You know? So Back to that, everyone that is, one more mentality. Hey, just 
if you can meet one more person, that might be the, the key to unlocking. Right, exactly. Something you were confused about or thought you could never do. Somebody out there has got done it before and they have the secret and it's probably not even a secret. You just got to know right. who to ask. Right, yeah. And they, chances are they're probably going to tell you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I've even found that um, in competitive environments, it, it pays to know your competitors and, and to you know get to know them and, and be friendly with them because... Um, uh, sometimes you find that even though you thought you were competing with a person, there's ways that you can both help each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. especially yours being pretty specialized. Hey, that could even be a new construction house with plenty of just standard concrete. But then, you know, they maybe having you as an add-on could even benefit them. Or Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say just in general, everyone is way more helpful and way more supportive than I, I think we naturally assume they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, whether that be with government or um, competition, business, you know, fitness. You know, I, I, like, let me ask you this. If you go to a gym and you just walk up to some random guy and be like, hey, you know, um, you're in pretty good shape. What, 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 do you, what are the exercises you prefer to do? Mm-hmm. Is, is he going to tell you? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, That's that's, going to love telling you the gym is a funny one. Yeah. People are always so intimidated when it's like, honestly, if you just put in some effort, even just talk to somebody, you'll be like, they'll just, they'll be all super excited to to help you out. And maybe you you might be the least in shape person there, but they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They're going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. They just want to, they just want to get jacked. They want to see other people get, get into shape and yeah. Right. Right. So kind of same thing, just, yeah, in the business world all around. I mean, there's always uh, those just mean people out there, but there's definitely a a lot more than you'd expect that are willing to help. And it's just a matter of putting yourself out there. And uh, I like the the phrase, the more more hands you shake, the more money you make. Mm. It's definitely a a good one. uh, So, yeah, well, also, I feel like that's a pretty – pretty positive note to end on here so we'll give you a little red carpet time just remind everybody again uh, if they're interested in learning more about concrete craft des moines how they can get a hold of you see some examples and uh yeah how, how can people get in touch awesome thanks austin yeah so it's uh, concrete craft of des moines we have a website we got a facebook page a linkedin page just put in concrete craft or concrete craft of des moines uh, lots of cool pictures. So, you know, even if you're not interested in having work done, go, uh, give us a, a like and, uh, just, just for the, the fun of seeing the, mm-hmm. all the cool stuff that can be done. And then, uh, yeah, if you, if you ever do get a project, you know, there's a, a way to reach out to me on the, the webpage or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you can tell, he's happy to take on any challenge and enjoys really producing that result you guys would want in your home. Uh, again, a stress, go, go check out the pictures. It is really wild. It's just hearing the word concrete. You're like, oh man, how could, how could it ever look as good as they're talking up to be? But I assure you it, there's some pretty amazing results. Uh, so appreciate you coming on today, Jared. Glad we get you on some, uh, some fun new perspectives for everybody and, uh, look forward to just following concrete craft along as you guys continue to grow. Yeah. Thanks Austin. And that wraps it up for today's episode of the Shadle Solutions podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Jared today. I think we definitely dove into a lot of good subjects and just thoughts that a lot of people looking to go into business on their own have. 
and how we've navigated and pushed through those uncomfortable moments. Again, I would definitely encourage you to go check out Concrete Craft of Des Moines. They really do have a lot of exciting products and offers for anybody with a home that's looking to both repair any current damage that they have or also just change the look and feel of a home and really bring your vision to life. If you want to learn more about me and my consulting business, how I can help your small business break through any roadblocks you have at the moment, or really just take a good operation to the next level, please look me and my business up at Austin Shadle or Shadle Solutions on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you have any thoughts on the podcast, what you enjoyed or what you'd like to hear more about, please let me know. Again, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to sharing the next episode.